You are a storyteller, stealing moments to create worlds. You thrive on pouring your creative spirit into your words. Great storytelling demands the best of you until every scene and character come to life. But there's more to the story biz than just being a great storyteller. You have to be a story seller. So how are fiction authors like us marketing our books and getting the stories we believe in out to the public? We're Chris and Brock, and this is the Story Biz Podcast. All right, we are back with the amazing Jennifer Grant. Yes, I said amazing because we know she is after her first interview. So here we're going to talk to her again today. And today we're going to cover a little about how to build a life as a writer, which probably many of you listeners are very, very interested in and intrigued by. So Jennifer, again, just give us a little bit about who you are so we know why we're listening to you. <laughs> um, I'm an author. I've written five books for adults and several books for kids. Some are out and some are in the pipeline and will be out over the next year or two. Um, I'm also an editorial consultant and I have a number of clients for whom I do developmental editing and uh, a little ghostwriting sometimes and, um, and other work like that. So I've been a professional writer my whole career and um, I'm also the mother of four, including my youngest who um, we talked about last time, who is um, subject really of my first book, which was a memoir called Love You More and it was about her adoption. Um, and my kids now are senior in high school and two, two in college and one out of college. So um, in this new sort of phase of my life, I've been doing more work writing for kids. And I think it's funny, like I, yeah. I didn't really write for children when they were little. Yeah. Um, and so now it's, it's been kind of a fun thing to um, develop that part of my writing life. I love that. I love that. I, you said something too. And, and like, so I sent uh, something to my agent the other day and he goes, you know, if you would have given this to me like, you know, 10 years ago I, or 12 years ago, I'd have kids in this right range. Now I'm kind of kind of, but now I've got grandkids coming soon. So they're starting to fill back mm -hmm. into writing my board book. So I know where you're at. Now I have my own audience at home. I've got four kids too. So I've got my own built in kids audience right now. Um, something you said uh, about the development editing and ghostwriting too. Um, probably should cover that in another topic. But if listeners, if you go back and listen to the self editing podcast we did specifically with Jennifer, you'll hear some stuff. We'll make sure we have a web a link to her website so you can check her out and inquire maybe if that's okay, Jennifer, about what kind of services you offer to them even. Uh, mm -hmm. See that's work because developmental editing, which I know we're not supposed to talk about right now, we got to get back to that because that has so been so helpful to me. Like that part of editing in my early work is very very helpful um, to see the gaps sometimes in what I'm doing. So. Oh, I want to talk about that right now, but we won't. So we're going to talk about no, we're talking about building a life as a writer, which I know I think is, it's a huge topic because I'm still trying to build a life. Period. Like, <laughs> let alone adding as a writer into this equation. It's like, you know, what I'm saying like you got life is, uh, you know, the writer's life is not for the faint of heart. Let's put it that uh, way. It is. It is. Uh, it is a hustle. It is, it is a lot of that. And I'm sure you can, you can speak to some of that. So when we talk about this, how to build a life as a writer, I think everybody, that's the, that's the allure of it is, wow, that looks so awesome. That looks so amazing. I want to be a published author. I want to be, you know, and everybody thinks it's like, oh, it's gonna be famous or I get my stories out there, whatever. And it's, it's, it's just hard work, period. That's all it is, guys. <laughs> it's just hard work. Now, it's fun though. It's a lot of fun. Do it. Love it. Can do but it though. You can, you can do, do it. it. That's why we're doing this podcast. But anyway, so with this topic, Building a life as a writer, how do you even start like to define where to begin when you're, when you're putting things into place to start that process, your first foot forward towards that goal, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think there's, you know, for, for anyone listening or for all of us as writers, there's, there are people who have 
one project that they maybe want to share with someone. So sometimes I meet writers at writing conferences that have one story. Maybe they had a very special relationship with a grandparent or they have one idea for a children's book or something like that. And they, they just have this burning desire to publish it so they can share it with other people. And often they publish it on their own and self-publish. And then they have this beautiful artifact that they can share. And so that, that kind of writing is more like a hobby. You know, it's not their burning passion. It's not their, um, their goal to make their, their living from it. Um, and so that's, that's one thing. There are writers who um, are more hobbyists. But for people who really feel like this is their vocation and it's their profession, um, I sort of always start with looking at the fact that we're, we are creative people and a lot of us as writers almost brag about how we're so bad at math. I mean, I, I am really bad at math and I'm not really <laughs> bragging about it, but I've always been a word person. I've always been you know, a daydreamy person. I love to read as a kid. I still love to read. And so I think of myself as that kind of creative, imaginative person. But what I've learned over the course of, of this life as a writer is that I need, to, I need to keep generating ideas. I need to feed my creativity. But I also need to look at my life um, as it's, uh, my writing life as a small business. And so that's something that really only over the last, say, five or seven years, I've begun to do that. And that was born out of a great relationship I had with an executive coach. And probably about eight years ago, I felt really scattered in my professional life. And I had speaking engagements and I had editorial work and I, um, you know, I was writing different books and so on. And I just, it felt like I was sitting in front of a table with these piles of ideas and things and half finished projects. And I didn't have a real strategy around my professional life. And so I hired a, you know, an executive coach, which I encourage anyone to do if you're feeling that way. And one of the first exercises that she did was to, on a big kind of whiteboard, draw this circle. And in the middle of it, she wrote Jennifer Grant, Inc. And then coming off almost as like spokes of a wheel, she had all the different ways that I was, um, you know, making money as a writer, editor, and speaker. And she listed them all. And she said, okay, this is your small business. And these are the services that you provide. You, you do speaking, you write articles, you write books, you um, are an editorial consultant. And she really made me dial down and look at what was the income from each of those things over the last few years? Which things do I feel like I am growing in? Which things bring me the most professional satisfaction and most joy? Which things am I, am I doing that, you know, really weren't making much money and also not really feeding me as a writer or as an editor? And so by looking at my, my sort of scattered writing, editing life as though it were, because it is, a small business, I've been able to be more strategic in terms of the things that I, you know, say yes to, the clients that I work with, the book projects that I write myself. And so I think, you know, it's for me, holding those two things in tension, the creative side of, you know, going on a walk in the park and sort of letting, you know, listening to sounds and being quiet and generating ideas. And then also being sort of, you know, the serious small business owner and saying, okay, what things have worked this year? What is my mission this year? What is my mission as a writer? Um, I think, you know, probably 10 years ago, I would have felt, you know, 
sort of like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not a business person. That's those people who, you know, have their MBA or they were econ majors in college. I, I read poetry, you know, and I, right. I loved all this whimsical stuff. So that's something that has changed in my life is just to get more real about the business side of it. So, you know, I love that. Have, I love yeah. That. Art and business. Being a, the art of business. And I, I guess um, to that point, now not everybody has the ability to go full time with writing, but that doesn't mean that you can't give your writing a hundred percent as a business. So whatever time you have, whether that be three hours in your day or, or 20 minutes, whatever it is, you need to give that time a hundred percent as if it's your business for that 100% of that time that you have available. And so um, how would you suggest, like what are the non-negotiables of running a business when it comes to build a writer uh, as a business? You know, obviously there's the, the act of writing and we know that, and that's going to take a good chunk of your time, but there's more to it than that. So there's there, I, I don't want to step on your, you know, like into the answers on some of this stuff, but like, I mean, obviously list building, there's the conversations with your readers, there's building that audience so that you have a platform that cares about it. Like, how do you divide up your time between all those things? Is there a certain percentage you're trying to aim for? Where it's like, I want 20% speaking time because that's, that's building my audience and there's 80% writing or I'm sorry, you know, maybe 70% writing and 30, you know, whatever. How does it work out? What are some of the, um, the breakdowns well, of that? Um, well, one thing, uh, that's helpful to me just on a, on a daily basis is to be um, cognizant of kind of my own, we all have our rhythms, you know, when, you know, when in the day you're more focused, when are you more daydreamy? Um, I find that in the morning if I do, um, and I think optimum like attention to detail time for many people is a couple hours after waking up in the morning. So that I don't, I have friends who get up very early in the morning and they write I take care of more businessy things in the morning. Um, I I like crossing off all the things that um, that aren't the most fun things to do, like invoicing a client or, you know, responding to email or things like that. And I feel like if I can get those things done in that sort of focused, detail-oriented morning hours, then in the afternoons, what I often do is I um, just take one thing, whatever I'm really wanting to work on as a writer. And I go to our public library and I just only bring that one thing. Sometimes I only bring a notebook. I don't bring a computer that has notifications going and all that stuff. I just have pen and paper. And then I can do in the afternoon, you know, we, we joke about like the afternoon lull, like after lunch, you feel a little sleepy or a little um, unfocused. That's a, for me, a really creative time. That's a time where my mind kind of wanders and, I get new ideas and sometimes I get solutions for something that I've been working on. So yeah, so I, I kind of do it more on a daily basis like that. So mornings are more like business, afternoons are more creative time. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that that's helpful, but yeah. in no. terms of, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that, that helps. So like, uh, you know, breaking, you have your business side and you have your your writing side, let's say it for lack of a better word, right? So yeah. you're creative, you're creative and your tasks, right? They have to be done to support the creative. So yeah. in the group of tasks, what, what falls in that category for a writer? So um, I guess that's more what I was aiming for as well, mm -hmm. in addition to what you just said. So um, taking the task half of your world, let's assume it's half and half. Mm -hmm. How does that break down? What do, what, what do the authors need to be doing these days to make their 
Inc., their, their, their co company, their corporation work? Like what's in right. invoicing clients you mentioned, responding to emails, but there's some other things in there, I think, to help really support your business as a writer, your life as a writer as we're building this, that maybe people haven't even thought about putting on the list of things to do, right? Like you don't even realize right. they're there. Right. Yeah. Well, and I would say like one thing could be um, for someone, I have an agent, but, and I always, I almost always advise people to get an agent if they don't have one. Um, so even the task of identifying potential agents could be in that sort of business part. Um, that's where, again, if you are a small business owner and you have a business plan, there would be goals that a person could um, set, such as, you know, in the next 12 months, I'm going to get an agent and start working with an agent. Um, I'm going to pitch to six you know, journals, or I'm going to send my work to six different outlets. Um, I'm going to do research on who might be um, a good, yeah, good editorial um, group for me to help me with self-editing. So all those sort of brass tacks kind of um, tasks would be those things. Again, I'm sure you've done this. I think you said you had um, Chrissy Thomas on talking about platform building. That mm -hmm. would be another thing that's in the business side. And uh, those things, all of those things are just ways to support your business. Also to really identify who is your audience, who's your customer. You know, if we are, if we are writers and someone is going to purchase our book, who is that person? Who, what is their, you know, I think it's really important to know what is their felt need. If I'm working on, um, for instance, this, I wrote a picture book that's coming out this coming summer about grief. And um, I thought, okay, who is my, who is my reader? Uh, it sounds sort of, you know, base to call it a customer, but who's the reader? And the reader would be an adult who, who is trying to help walk a child through a loss. Um, it could be a teacher, it could be a librarian, but all of it, you know, those readers for that book will be people who are experiencing grief and loss. So how do I connect with them? Um, when it gets closer to that book's release, I'll probably do a little more sort of looking on Twitter um, for groups that support kids who are grieving or making a list of organizations that serve families who are, who are experiencing grief. And then I'll be able to do the businessy things of things like asking the publisher to send those organizations a review copy or, you know, just reaching out to leaders in those fields. So all those things are ways to connect with your audience and definitely on the businessy side. Whereas yeah. I also, you know, love those afternoons of just sitting and writing, yeah. but you're right. You have it. You need both things in order to um, make this kind of life work. Well, and, and I think for a lot of us, when you think of a business, you think of a team, right? Because businesses, even though you may be wearing lots of hats, it's not good for you to be wearing all the hats. And so like what you talked about early on is you had a coach, you had somebody came alongside and said, let's think of this differently. Let me help you think this through, Jennifer, because you know, you're, you're an entity. So I think having that second voice who's there for accountability on tasks and also accountability on direction and goals um, is amazing. And so while the, the work of being an author when it comes to the creative side is a very lonely endeavor, it's nice to have that second half where you are partnered up with somebody, whether that be an agent and that agent can fill some of those roles, but not all those roles. And I think um, it, even if you're non-agented, it doesn't have to be somebody you're paying per perhaps. It could be a good friend who's trusted, who wants to see you succeed in your professional growth. And I think 
having them be that voice that's always checking in on you, whether it be the morning hours or afternoon hours, whatever. Say, hey, okay, here's your task for the day. Let's get these out of the way. And then I'm going to protect your writing time for you. You know, so like if there's anything I can cover for you to make sure that I've got that, you know, just even having that, that 15, 30 minute, um, you know, check-in with somebody might be hugely valuable for an author who's walking alone to have that accountability to make the productive steps that they need to, to get to the end. And, um, I think also when you have that second voice, it's, it helps you to voice what your steps are and your goals are that you might just, you might glaze over and not even think about, right. And not actually verbalize in a way that you will benefit from. So having that second person that you have to express it to and make a list for, um, really, I think helps you define and then that's how we, that's what end up with goals and accomplish things. Right. So <laughs> people right. Have different roles, right. I, I, you know, like my agent, like he's great about, Hey, that, that project made me not yet. Or this is the right place. Like really good about directing me and also focusing me. And he quotes as I'm this like Mustang. He's really like, just, Whoa, I'm going here. I'm like, and he's like, he's like, my goal is to get you here so we can go here. Cause you've got a lot of good ideas. And he goes, you got a hundred books in you. We just want to write one right now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, need, yeah. I need that voice. And then I've got the Christopher Miller voice right here. Who's like, uh-huh. you need to write <laughs> and expand and do things. But really like creative ideas. Like I can bounce any idea off Chris. He's going to give me some feedback on the creative idea. We're going to play it out for a little while. That's a different, that's a different role than my agent. Then my editor at Harvest House for the four books, right? Even from my, my developmental editor to my actual editor on that, let's use that comma there and this right here. They're all playing very different roles to help me move forward on my goal. And again, we're talking independently published or, or, or self-published or traditionally published. Right now, I'm, I'm focused on the traditional area, but build a team. Even if you don't have that traditional agent or that traditional editor, build a team. You know, like Jennifer, you said, you have clients that come to you for development editing. Find the people who can speak into that part as experts, right? You need the experts to help you move forward and do it well so you have a good product. Mm. Sorry. I was my soapbox for a second. No, that's it. You can create these. The other thing that, you know, one of the great benefits of social media is that you can create almost your own, you know, board of directors who may not even know they're on your board of directors, but like you can follow people on Twitter. You can see what their wisdom is that they're offering. Um, You can sign up for newsletters from different things. I mean, you can kind of um, continue to educate yourself. Uh, you can listen to the Story Biz podcast absolutely. and learn from us. No, I yeah. think that's really important. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, I think your point, though, about you know writing being such a solitary endeavor, it is important to see who your team is. And if you were if you were a traditional small business and had um, you know a shop and you had products to do, you you'd need to know who are my customers, how much money am I spending on advertising, yeah. um, you know, how can I better develop my mailing, you know, my mailing lists, how, what events should I create in order to raise awareness about this product and so on. And so it's, it's the same sort of thing. And again, I, I think probably 10 years ago, if I could, if, if my 10, 10 years ago self heard me saying this, she would be like shocked and disappointed because it sounds so, um, it sounds so businessy, but I, but I think it's so important and, and really it allows me by being more intentional and by making these plans and strategies and so on, it actually makes room for that creative time. So I'm not worried about, you know, I'm not scattershot throughout my day worrying about certain tasks. I know, I know that I'm sort of okay with that and now I can do the creative piece. So um, 
but that's the tension that we have as writers. And often too, you know, people either do too much of the business part and don't develop their creative self. They don't um, read enough. They don't, you know, do enough sort yeah, yeah. of reflective work. Um, so we've all experienced people like that too, who are like relentlessly self-promoting on online, but yet the product that they have isn't what it probably could be, you know? Yeah. So, or if you just got the one product, uh, heard about it for four years in a row, and it's like, hey, you've got to have more creative energy to put out the next piece. Like, mm -hmm. you kind of run that gamut, the tails as small as it can be, kind of find that next bump, you know, and, and, and so forth. Right. So on, on a practical note, and, it, and the, the answer is going to be slightly different for every author who's trying to build a life because, uh, you know, a writer's life, because it, I guess the goals are going to be slightly different, right? So, but let's assume that the goal for the sake of our audience right now is I want to someday be a full-time writer. Okay. Mm -hmm. What does that look like in terms of like release timelines and, and like how many books a year, you know, we, I, I guess some of that will based on how big your audience are. There's so many variables here that may not be a straight, but like what is, what is, the goal for a writer to have a full-time life like what does that look like I, I guess is there an easy answer to that <laughs> maybe not, well, I'm not gonna... I think I think it really does vary but you know everyone that I know who is a writer um very few you know when my first book was coming out I had all these and this is very I'm I'm happy to confess this because I know that this is so common but you know as a person who always wrote and I was a little kid who wrote stories and then finally I have this you know um editor and this publishing house behind this project. And I, of course, pictured that it was going to be, you know, a bestseller and, you know, New York Times, yeah. and I'd be on the Today Show and, you know, Oprah would choose it as a, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. It's fine. But we all do that. And we all sort of start planning our new life as a, you know, literary, you know, icon or whatever. But, but everyone that I know who really does it and is stuck with a writing life who hasn't had some, and it's so rare to have a best-selling book now. There's so many books being published, obviously, and publishing as an industry, you know, has increasing challenges in terms of making it and so on. But if you have the, um, the, the desire and the calling to be a writer and you are willing to continue to grow as a writer and grow your craft and read and continue to put yourself out there, then, you know, you sort of change your goals from, I'm going to be on Oprah's book, sh you know, book uh, program or whatever to saying, Hey, I have the opportunity to express myself in this way. And I have the opportunity to tell these stories that I've been given to tell. And what I can do then is I can do some things for money. You know, I mean, I, depending on the year, a lot of the income that I have is from editorial clients. And so then I can, you know, do creative work and not feel like, oh my goodness, it needs to be like published by whoever and have some huge advance for that. I can right. be relaxed and find the right place for a book and really take, you know, a lower advance for something if it's found the right home. Because I'm not counting on that as my, you know, primary income. I, I do more, you know, I get more income from speaking at writing conferences or really edit editing or doing developmental work for, for clients or for publishers. And so that kind of takes care of that part. And so I don't, I don't put the pressure on my creative work to pay the bills, you know? So, um, so in terms of creating life for the person who says, I want to be a full-time writer, I would just find ways to do it. I mean, the, the big thing is practice. I've, 
I've written for corporations, I've written marketing copy, I've written for public health organizations, and all of that work, whether it's, you know, a computer manual or a thing about a public health crisis or whatever, has strengthened my abilities as a writer and editor. Because it's all the same, it's that problem solving of trying to tell a story and tell it well and tell it clearly. And so, you know, I would probably, you know, to a new a person co coming into this say, you know, I don't want you to be jaded and I don't want to tell you that it's not going to work out because it will. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life. I wouldn't trade, trade it for any other profession. Yeah. At the same time, you have to be realistic about how it's going to work for your own life. For me, it worked really well as a mom. You know, I was, I was able to work from home and I was able to um, have a pretty flexible schedule when my kids were growing up because I was writing. And so, you know, I don't know if that really answers the question. But no, it does. It does. I think it's yeah. also alluded to the fact that it's like, it's like grabbing bits and like realizing that it's not just one thing to be a writer. Like you, you're, you're taking in, like you said, speaking roles, editing roles, things that are within your wheelhouse that are within your giftedness, but they support the concept of I am a writer in your head, right? Like, mm -hmm. you're, you know, even though you're doing speaking, you're still speaking because you are a writer and you're creating, right? Yeah. So like finding things that can support that, that don't steal so much time away, but they, they actually increase and give you more momentum in that writing. And that's going to look a little different for everybody. Some people may not be speakers, but they might be wanting to do a podcast like what Brock and I are doing, right? And mm -hmm. they would be more comfortable behind the scenes just talking about stuff rather than on stage. Um, or there's those that might be bloggers that they're going to have a, a, you know, go on medium.com and write on all kinds of subjects. And that, that supports their writing need, but it also can pay the bills, right? It can actually generate revenue and medium mm -hmm. can generate significant revenue for some folks as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all about finding those things that, that if you're wanting to go full-time, don't expect to get there overnight, right? You're building, right. A, you're building a business just like day one, unless you've got a nest egg you're sitting on that you really want to roll the dice on this, you mm -hmm. know, um, which most of us are not, you know, then it's, it's taking, the, and, and I guess to steal a phrase from Frozen 2, do the next right thing. Right, like do just do the next right thing. You're in this moment where it's like I know what I want to get to, but I I don't know how to get there from here. So I'm just going to do the next right thing, and then I'm going to do the next right thing, and that's going to get me there to towards building that business. And sometimes those next right things will big be big leaps and bounds of discomfort. Like okay, I'm launching a podcast this week, Brock. Right? Like I was like, dude, that's what we're doing. <laughs> He called me up and said, we're recording a podcast. I talked to him. He goes, this one's done. It's in the bag. Post it. What? just <laughs> And it's like, no, that's the right. We all knew it was a logical progress of what we wanted to do. And so it was like, let's do it. This is it. Time. So, so it does take stretching yourself. And it means sometimes being brutal about finding the time when you might not have had that just yesterday. But now you're, you're making room for something to support and growing your life as a writer. And so um, those are all things. Anyway, there are little bits and things that all add up to a, a life that your life as a writer will not look like Stephen King's life as a writer or, um, you know, Jennifer's life as a writer, right? Each of us will have slightly different ways to support this and, and grow it. And, uh, well, look, you know, I mean, Christopher Hopper, our interview with him, right? He just yeah. says, you know what? I'm done. And that's all he's doing now is he's completely focused on that. And, and Jennifer, you're, you're playing in a lot of areas of, writing holistically from the editorial to the actual your own books and i love that and i'm working a full-time job and then i'm trying to find some time in between 
my kid time and my wife time and my work time to write. You know, and I think, yeah, there's no correct one path. When people ask me at a book signing, I really have, I have this new book, and I, and I, and I how did you get published? I'm like, well, sit down for a second, because it's not. <laughs> there's, there's no real story. All I tell them is, hey, God opened the door and I stumbled through it, and He keeps leading me somewhere, and that's where I'm going. I'm following right now. I don't know where yeah. it's going or what it'll do. So I love that. Yeah, and it is. It is so different for everyone. And um, and the thing, and honestly, the thing that uh, I was just at a, I spoke at a writing conference a couple of months ago, and I was at a, um, in the hotel lobby, sort of for the lovely continental breakfast, but I was, um, I was sort of eavesdropping, you know, as a good writer, of course, I always have um, something to write with and a little journal with me. And I always listen to other people's conversations if I'm <laughs> sitting there alone. But um, at the next table were a group of, of editors that, whom I recognize. And they were talking about the conference. It was the second day. And they said, um, you know, there's so many wonderful uh, people who are attending and blah, blah, blah. The sad part is to know that so many of them are going to go home and continue not to write mm -hmm. because it, there's such fear around putting yourself out there and there's such fear around showing, you know, the stories that we tell or that we write in our head are so beautiful and perfect and seamless and, and poignant and powerful. Um, but then when we actually sit down to write, it's such a disappointment, right? Because it doesn't, you can't just download those lofty ideas or those deep philosophical truths. It takes hammering it out and writing and editing and all that stuff. So, you know, hearing these editors say what's so sad is these people are getting all this, you know, inspiration, good instruction and so on, but so few of them will really go home and do it. And so, you know, whenever I'm working with a client, one of the first things I do is I do make kind of a timeline and say, let's start, let's back time this. When would you like this project done to be sent to an agent or editor? And then we work backwards and make a schedule. And yeah, if the person is working full-time in another industry or is a full-time parent or all the different ways that people spend their days, you can still make a timeline and stick to it. And just like if it were your small business, you can't just decide like, oh, I don't feel the muse today. <laughs> you know, I don't feel the right. muse to open my store or to, you know, do this service job that I have. You just do it. And so, you know, I kind of push my clients a little bit to say, look, you need to just decide to do it. You know. Yeah. Well, I love it. Decide to do it. And, and don't be afraid to fail at the next step, right? Like, right. that's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes people let one little failure in writing or in the business part of writing be what defines them. And it's not, that's not a failure. That's just simply a learning, learning moment, right? Like pick it up and don't do it differently the next time. Like do, do, do the right thing, but do it slightly differently. And so I think you'll get further and further. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, well, I know we're there. We had the amazing Jennifer Grant again. Thank you. And we're going to have her back for developmental editing and ghostwriting, even though she hasn't committed to it yet. I'm committing her right now. <laughs> I want to hear more. I want to pick your brain some more. So we'll, we'll get that covered here eventually. But thank you again for being with us today. Uh, awesome. Oh, awesome. Appreciate your time. You bet.